Well, this is different. Um, welcome to One Hope's first digital sermon. And uh, you heard Joel's encouragement to us as a church, and I think there were some great things in there for us to, um, to take heed of and to, to understand as we move forward and go into this. All this is very different for all of us. For you, having to watch a screen, and for me and Joel, having to talk to a camera. Um, so much has changed and so much is changing. But who hasn't changed is our God. He still has the whole world in his hands. He is still worthy of our worship. He's still worthy of our praise, our focus, and he's still worthy to be glorified. And, and we want to find the ways to do that as a church community. The best ways that we can find to do that as a church community. And what hasn't changed is our passion to move people in following Christ. We've been talking about that all the time. And Joel just mentioned a little bit before, we've been talking about renewal. That hasn't changed. Our passion to move people in following Christ. And as a leadership, we want to continue to find the best way to equip and send. We've been using that language. We want to equip and send. And perhaps even more so in this current climate. So we'll keep up our teaching and encouraging for our community where we can and how we can. We're ramping up other ways of contact and connection and, and you will have seen uh, all the work that's been done behind the scenes and a big thank you to Joel Pops for doing so much work with website and resources and making it easy for us to get to them. We're going to ramp that sort of stuff up. But we also need your help. We need every one of us to be committed to our family, our community and to our witness flourishing. We have a great church and a great God. While you can't come up to me personally after this sermon and give me feedback, you can, like Joel said, you can give feedback online and you can be doing it right now. And we would love that. Today and going forward, we'd love for you to be doing that. That helps us to know how we're doing well and it encourages us to hear from you as well. We're going to get better at this, as Joel said, and we're going to learn a lot along the way. Your encouragement and your feedback helps us. All right, so let's get into our message for today. I want to talk today about what loving our neighbour looks like in these times. And I guess, you know, lots of us are asking those sorts of questions. What does it mean for me now? How do I make sure that all of my focus doesn't land on me and I still learn how to love my neighbour? And I want to do that by reading one of the well-known stories in Luke. So if you've got a Bible, um, and the scripture will be up on the screen, but I'm going to read from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. We all know this story. This is a story of the Good Samaritan. We want to have a look at that and see what God's going to say to us this morning from there. So let me read with you. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. 
and he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay when I come back. So which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. These are um, unprecedented times, and that's, that's hardly an unheard statement these days. You know, we're using that words appearing everywhere, isn't it? But it means that there's no instruction manual, there's no proven process, no map to navigate uh, what the world and consequently you and I are experiencing, and everyone around us. I've thought and prayed and read so much this week around this, around this stuff, from Christian writers, from all sorts of places. Our leadership's had meetings trying to understand what's best for our church community and our outreach, our wider community and our mission and our witness, what's best for that. I'd like my message today to do two things. Challenge us and comfort us. Challenge us to look to God and to be his people right now. I mean be in an active, dynamic sense to step up and be his people, the people he called us to be. But also comfort us to look to God and be his people. And I mean that be in a passive rest peace sense, that we can look to God and be his people, knowing that we are his children. So I want those two things to come through today. I have to admit, I have no experience pastoring in this setting. I don't think I know how to lead you as a church family through this, and it makes me nervous, and I'm in uncharted waters as well. But what I do know and we all know as Christians that this, that all this, is absolutely no surprise for God. He's not nervous. He's not in uncharted waters. He's not panicking and he hasn't stopped loving humanity or the world. <clears throat> Before all this happened, hmm. Before all this happened, we, you and I, Christians, we were the vehicle or the means whereby his love reached the lost or the broken or the panicking or the hungry or the sick and I could go on. And, and we were the people, we were the way that God ministered to the world. We were called his people, his church to do that. Before all this happened, we knew that and we understood that. And I believe that's still the case, even more so now perhaps. In fact, this could be our time as Christians. Looking back in history, we see that Many times when crises hit the world, when plagues have hit, when things have made populations distraught, when suffering has come, the Christians have been the ones to reach out with healing, to reach out with the hands of God. It's been God's people that have been his hands and feet and the heart of him, the heart of God to those in pain and are hurting, to those bewildered, to those lost and to those without help. In times like this, the love of God, the way to salvation and life, the means of grace are needed even more than ever. And it's our time as God's people to step up. So how do we love our neighbour? Looking back at our story, and, and, and how do we love our neighbour? As, the, as, as the, the, um, the lawyer challenged Jesus, how do we love our neighbour? How do we, in this time, love the way that God wants us to? And what does it look like? 
I think in our time, in this particular situation, there are probably two main ways that I'd want to focus on. Two main ways that we can love our neighbour. One, caring for the needs. Be they sick or anxious or needy, uh, whether it's physical need, whether it's an emotional need, whatever it is, I think the first way we can love our neighbour is actually that dynamic, that, that, that active thing, caring for our neighbour. And the second thing, the second way we can love our neighbour, and I'm going to call this do no harm. And I know that, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that in the doctor's world, if you're a doctor, you know, the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. I'm going to call it do no harm. Except today we call it social distancing or isolating. And you'll all know that now. I don't think that those words will ever be out of our vocabulary again. And believe it or not, these two things, caring for the needs and do no harm, can work together. So let's have a look at those two things. The first thing, caring for the needs. We all know the story of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, don't we? We all know when, uh, when Jesus told that story, when I was sick and when I was in prison, when I was naked, you came and visited me, etc., etc. Let me just paraphrase that. Let me just give that some modern language. Let me just read that for you. It might go like this. When I was sick, you stayed in contact with me and you encouraged me. When I was isolated, you made sure I had what I needed and you left food for me at my door. When I was old and I couldn't get what I needed from the supermarket, you got food for me. When I was lonely, you visited and contacted me and you kept me company. When I was down or worried or panicking, you talked with me, you comforted me, you listened and prayed with me. When I lost my job or my income was cut, you paid my rent. I could go on. I could, I could modernise that story further, couldn't I? And the end of the story says, and they asked him, Lord, when did we see you? And we know what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, what you did for the least of these. So I think caring for the needs is really important. History will show us, and I've read a lot of history this week, looking at different plagues and the way that Christians have responded, and many of you have probably done the same. And there's so many examples. And in the Cyprian plague, the bubonic plague in Wittenberg, when these plagues swept cities and people threw out their sick because they were afraid of being um, infected, when there was a 60% death rate, it was the Christians who stepped up at their own cost to take care of the sick, to take care of the people that were struggling and in trouble. And they didn't just, care of, they didn't just take care of Christians or, or their own, they took care of non-Christians and that was noticed. And Christianity exploded because it was also a great witness to the world. So who is our neighbour? If we look at that, it is each other, it's us, but it's also the community that we find ourselves in, the places we see ourselves. And as we see from scripture and from history, caring can cost, can't it? Having mercy for and loving my neighbour can cost. In historical examples, it costs health and sometimes their own life or the cost to their family and their family's health. There's one example of, of a great Christian leader who, who ended up losing his daughter. His daughter got infected because he was involved caring. In our scripture, as we understand the culture of the day, if we look back at the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus used those examples really uh, on purpose. We understand the culture of the day. It cost the Samaritan as well, didn't it? It cost him dollars. We see that. He had to put some dollars on the table to pay the innkeeper. It cost his pride. They had been trodden, downtrodden by, by Jews and, and these people for so many years. He could have just walked by and said, well, you deserve that. 
but he didn't. He wasn't proud. It cost him his pride to step up. It cost him his time, perhaps even his safety, being seen to connect with a Jew. It might have actually cost him uh, trouble. And we don't know about his reputation. And it cost him self-denial. He had to take time out of his trip. He had to take uh, his own resources to take care of this person that wasn't even one of his own. And for us, some of those things will apply. To care for, to care for and to, to love people in the current climate will take compassion. It might cost us dollars. In fact, it will as a church. Resources will be tight. They'll need to be used differently. Are you ready to behave differently with what you have or what you've been given by God? It might cost you a toilet roll. I had to put that in there. I couldn't help. It'll cost you time. It might cost us time. It might cost us patience. It may mean caring for a sick person and there might even be some risk. It'll cost flexibility. We're all learning that right now. Right here, right now, we're learning how to be flexible and you guys are doing the same watching this. We can't do things the way we always have and I could go on, but I'm sure you can see how caring for people could cost us and can cost us and yet we're called to it. And all through this, though, this is where we take up the challenge to look up and be God's people. That first one, that dynamic active, being God's people. Making sure that whether we're ministering to our own church family or to someone in the community, that they actually meet God through our words and actions. Remember what I talked about in history? Yes, you know, they met the Christians and the Christians took care of sick people, but the world saw God in action. And there was an explosion for people wanting to find out, who is this God? So that's the first way. The second way that I want to talk about is that do no harm way. And what do I mean with that? And it can seem contradictory to my last point, but it's not. In my first point, everything we do is done in care and understanding as much as we can. So we do want to reach out and care for people. We want to take care of the needs, but we need to do that in care and understanding. Understanding the current issues and even today, you'll, if you look on the, uh, the website that Joel set up, you'll see that there's a great list of guidelines in how to do things responsibly. Yep, there can be occasional risk in the extreme call of caring for a sick person, and we need to know when that's God calling us to do that. But even then, we would do that in the most conservative means. Luther said this, Luther also went through, he, went, he took the people through the bubonic plague and, and he said this in one of his articles. And have a look, we'll have the quote up here for you to read along with me. Our bodies are a gift from God and must be protected. Luther said in his essay on the topic, we must not tempt God. The catechism Luther wrote for Christian instruction elaborates on the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder, by saying that this actually means we must never even endanger others through our negligence or our recklessness. Luther's essay encourages believers to obey quarantine orders, to fumigate their houses, to take precautions to avoid spreading sickness. So that's what Luther said. Another commentator said this, and we'll have this quote up for you to read. The Christian motive for hygiene and sanitation does not arise in self-preservation, but in an ethic of service to our neighbour. We wish to care for the afflicted, which first and foremost means not infecting the healthy. Early Christians created the first hospitals in Europe as hygienic places to provide care during times of plague, on the understanding 
that negligence that spread disease further was in fact murder. Wow. Have a look at those two quotes. So we need to be really caring. First, do no harm. That's loving. So loving our neighbour means taking the recommendations that medical experts, our leaders, give us by restricting our meeting sizes, limiting potential infection. Not only to protect ourselves, obviously we want to do that as well, but because we're citizens and that we have a responsibility to do our part in making sure the system can cope. And you've all watched the news and you know what that's like. And it just brought to mind for me that great, you know, at the start of um, Jeremiah 29, where God, through the prophet, encourages his people to seek the prosperity of the city, to make sure it succeeds, that they have a responsibility to do that. And in this case, we have a responsibility to, to work with the authorities and seek the success and the, the prosperity of the city, but prosperity meaning, in this case, getting through this in the best possible way. And we love each other by making sure that we don't take risks that we shouldn't. <clears throat> Hence our actions, the instructions we're giving you, the way that we're doing church now. These are all reflections of that. And we're going to learn more about that as it comes. So those are the two ways that we love our neighbour. But I just wanted to address one more thing today as well. Because this is also a time that panic, fear and anxiety can easily overwhelm us. Look, I confess I'm one of the worst of that. You know, I look at all the things and we work through all the things with church and and food, and I can easily get taken by panic and anxiety. And, and are we going to do this well? Am I going to make it through this? Am, am I going to make a wrong move? Uh, am I going to look silly talking to a camera? That seems like such a minor panic, doesn't it? So how do we deal with fear, anxiety, frustration and panic that we feel ourselves? Because it is real. How do we help and support and encourage each other when that's sort of happening? For one, there's a few well-known scriptures that address that. And I just want to read a couple of well-known scriptures that we all know that address particularly anxiety and panic. And the first one is in Matthew chapter 10. And again, these will be on the screen for you to look at. And this one's in Matthew chapter 10, and it's a well-known story, isn't it? Matthew 10, verse 28, where Matthew, uh, where, where Matthew talks to us about that, where talks, and Jesus speaks to us, and he says... From verse 28, chapter 10, verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And here was the encouragement. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. And so that's one, that's, that's one scripture that really encourages us. So we recognize that our life is in the hands of God and that He loves us and He values us and He knows us. And so we don't need to fear if we hide with Him. And then there's that other one in Matthew chapter 6, and we know the story in Matthew chapter 6 as well. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Have a look at the screen again, and this is where we're encouraged not to be anxious. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, not about your body, what you'll put on. Isn't your life more than food and toilet paper and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We all know these scriptures, and I know them too, and I read them. And sometimes we, we just need to allow them to sink in and to recognize that they're real. And we don't need to be anxious. We have a God that knows us. And we have a church community that's supporting us. And God has given us those as well. But there's some other general things. Those scriptures help, but other general things are important. You know, we, in order to, to get through this, to calm ourselves, to deal with fear, spend time in the Word. Ponder the Word. Pull away by yourself. Spend some time reading the Word. Read it alone. Not just scriptures addressing the current fear or, or thing that you might be experiencing or a pressing need, but just spend time in the Word. You know, keep up your reading. You know what happens when you spend time in the Word, when you, when you spend time reading and, and reading about God and, and understanding, letting God speak to you that? It shifts our focus. You come out of the Word realizing that your focus has moved off of you and onto God. And through the Word, we see a great God we see him and not us. We, we begin to see more of him. We, we see how he loves us. And, and the word tells us of all the things that he's done and, and how he's always drawn us into his presence. And he's still doing that now. And he wants to do that with us. We see him as our protector. The word, If you read the word, you'll see him as your protector. You'll see that you're under the shadow of his wing, that that's a safe place. We can see that he's always been in control. He always has been and he still is. And there's this quick little scripture I wanted you to have a look at in Colossians. In Colossians chapter, chapter 1, just two verses, verses 16 and 17. This is encouraging. This is our God. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, including me, including you, including our world. Through him all things. He's always been there. Nothing's out of his control. And so we get to see that. We see him as our encourager as well, and our challenger and our exhorter. He, he challenges us and, and he exhorts us and he grows us as we spend time in the Word. There's so much that happens if we do that. You know, when you're in the Word, it's kind of like I was thinking this week. It's like, you know, when I want to escape, when I'm on holidays or <clears throat> when I have some free time and I read one of the, I love uh, murder mystery novels or legal thrillers. And what happens is just for the moment that you're reading it, you're escaping and you're in another world. 
Wouldn't it be great if we used a word like that? That we used that as a way to take us out of ourselves and into the world of God, seeing Him. And it's kind of what the world can do when we practice reading it. We teach ourselves to fix our eyes on God. The psalmist said in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from when I'm feeling? We all know that scripture, don't we? It comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. People, we serve a God, and this is great. We serve a God who is an active reconstructionist. What does that mean? He takes all the bits of totally difficult or fearful circumstances that we find ourselves in, and in ever-changing, the ever-changing things, the, the challenging things, and he constructs something that we never thought was possible. He shows us things that we never knew about him. So let's not be people that fear and panic or be people filled with anxiety. Let's be people that take our fears into God and have him show himself great to us. Let's look forward to him being that active reconstructionist, taking all those bits of stuff in our world, teaching us new things in new ways, taking our circumstances, indeed, taking us deep. Taking us deep so that we can go wide. So what can we do practically? What do you do practically as a church community, as a family, when, when we're struggling with fear, anxiety, or things are troubling us? What can we do for each other? Help each other when it's tough. Don't judge. Everybody's different. It's easy to judge when someone's not doing well. Let's lift each other and help each other. Support each other. Call each other. Message each other. Provide for each other. Listen to each other. FaceTime each other in your homes if you happen to be isolated or you need to talk to somebody. You know, be in contact with each other. The fabric of who we are as a church is in the way that we have grace, care and understanding for each other with all our differences and we are all different. Keep talking to each other. We need each other. You know, we're better together as One Hope Community Church. You know, we're encouraging life groups to still meet in reasonable sizes while it's still allowed by authorities. I read a great article from a Christian writer on, on church services and life groups, how to maintain community in a church in a time like this. And here's a couple of things I read in there. And he said this, Even now, it's never been more important to gather in small groups. Close Christian fellowship, gathering with others who know us by name, who are our literal neighbouring brothers and sisters in Christ, to study God's word, to break bread, to pray together. It's not an optional extra for Christians, but it's the very source of our life and flourishing in Christ. It's not good for people to be alone. And he went on practically to say, our informed judgment, and I understand that that's always changing, but our informed judgment is that provided no one is sick, no one has reason to believe they've been exposed to the SARS COVID-19 and are, are within a 14-day window of potential infectious transmission, there's no strong epidemiological, that's a big word for me, reason not to meet together for fellowship, encouragement, shared work and celebration and recreation as long as we dramatically change the way we interact with each other. And we've given you some clear instructions on that as well. So as a family... This is a moment for us to press into God, to be his people, to be his children, to shelter under his wing, to know him better with his word and be 
his people to the outward world. And that B is exude that rest and understanding that God is in control. That he is the lover of our souls and we can trust him. And also be his heart, his hands and his voice to each other. You know, we aren't church. One Hope Community Church. We aren't church just because we meet in Scoresby every Sunday. We're church because God called us on mission together and for each other. And that hasn't changed. That call hasn't changed. The expression has to change for now and it is going to change. But enthusiasm, our commitment needs to continue and perhaps even grow. We might need to grow in commitment as we love God and love others in this climate. Jesus said to the disciples that he would always be with them through his spirit in them. And we've spoken, both Joel and I and Glenn in the past, we've spoken on that, how, how the Holy Spirit indwells us. But Jesus said, I will always be with you. I will never forsake you and leave you. And that is just as true in the midst of the situation we're in. And we want to experience that together. We want to experience that as individuals, but we want to experience that together as a community the best way we can. You know, we all have that same spirit and that same mission. Let me pray. God, I just want to thank you um, for who you are. I want to thank you that even in times like this, you pop off the pages of the word in all your glory, in all your character and, and in all the ways that, and all the ways that we know you. And you remind us of how great you are. You remind us of how much you're in control. You remind us of how much you love us. And you remind us of how we're called to be the people you, that you want us to be. Lord, you remind us that, that nothing in history ever surprised you. Nothing in our present day surprised you. Nothing in the future will surprise you. And that, you're, um, that you are in control. And that we can rest in that. And that we can even be used by you in that process. Lord, teach us to understand in this time what it means to love our neighbour. Teach us and, and help us to know when we need to reach out and help. Teach us to be willing to be sacrificial. Teach us to be willing to go the extra mile. Teach us to be willing to, to give our time, our resources, our, our ears to listen. Um, whatever it takes, teach us to be your hands and feet to each other. Lord, teach us to be uh, agents of calming when, when someone else is, is, is in fear or panicking. Teach us how to be a non-anxious presence for each other. And Lord, teach us how to accept each other the way that you've made us and to help each other to walk through this together with you and as a church family. Lord, we love you. We know that that hasn't changed. We know that your love for us hasn't changed. And we want to continue to discover what it means to be your people right here in Scoresby and wherever we are for the season that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, there is, um, we're here. The message is that we are here and we're here all the time. The office is going to be manned all the time. You can always phone in. You can always text and message and call us. Um, particularly with all this sort of stuff, we're here to help practically with how do I do this? but we're here to listen to you as well. Right now, 
If you go to the, you'll get, you'll have the instructions, or your leader will have the instructions. If you go back to the web page, you can click on the link discussion and prayer, and we've uploaded just two or three things. Grab a coffee together, and on the basis on the back of this sermon, there's a couple of things that you could discuss there. Questions like, let me have a look for you, and I'll tell you what's there. I think. Let me help you and have a look what's there. Questions like being able to share, a discussion like being able to share together, how are you doing, how are you, how are you feeling in this process? Spend some time talking about it, discussing as a group how you could increase your support for each other, how you could reach out practically to serve our, our neighbours. Have a look at those questions, spend some time praying together and talking about those. We look forward to talking to you like this for the next few weeks and it looks like it's going to be a while doing this. Again, we'd love your feedback and we love you as a church. Thanks very much.